Well, hi, everyone, and we are ready to start a new season of Bible study, a new session, and this is Psalm 33. I thought it was the perfect psalm to go and do right after we have finished Esther, and I don't know about you, I just needed a breath of fresh air, and really, this psalm will do that to you. So um, pray with me, please, would you? Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can continue. We finished one study of Daniel and Esther and the heaviness um, of Esther, Lord, and then you direct us right to this psalm and show us what we have when we claim you as ours, when we speak the name of Jesus, when we sing his name. Father, I thank you for the words that are written in this psalm, and may it lift our hearts, may it lift our soul, may we realize again what we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, this is my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true, and it's all that I need. So many of you have the questions of Psalm 33, and uh, let's just go over it verse by verse, and look at the first word, sing, sing joyfully to the Lord. You know, I just needed this psalm after coming off the heaviness of Esther, and I needed to be brought back to the joy of the Lord and and to sing when we should be singing all the time. And maybe you're saying, I don't have that kind of voice. But I don't think singing is just necessarily from our voice. I, I remember a psalm that I just love, and I, I quote it over and over and over, when the psalmist says, to make a joyful noise, make a joyful noise to the Lord, shout for the... For joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever and his faithfulness continues through all generations. Now that's the truth of who our God is. Psalm 100, no matter what we are going through, you you hear a psalm. That psalm goes through my mind so often. And so I thought, I want a psalm like that. I, wanna, I want a psalm that reiterates that no matter what your condition is, no matter what you're going through, that we can still sing. In fact, I ran across a song that, that was entitled Sing. And the Collinsworth family sings this song. And I don't think they would mind if I just kind of said a few of their phrases. Because they just said, sing when, with a laughing heart. With the, sing like your heart is exploding with joy. I love that line, that our heart explodes with joy. Let it, let it just fill Fill the air, fill the room, fill 
everything with the sound of music. And then it says, when there's nothing else to do, sing. When, when there's something deep inside of you that tells you that life is still a wonder, sing. And I think sometimes we just let the cares of the world take us down into a gully of despair. And we think, no, I can't sing. I can't possibly. You don't know my circumstances. I don't feel like singing. But you know what? That's, that's the most important time to sing. According to the psalmist, he said, express your heart. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. And there's the key. If you are righteous, it goes on, it is fitting for the upright to praise him. It is fitting. It's the right thing to do. And the reason why we sing, it's not because of our circumstances. We sing because of who the Lord is and what he has done. And he has done what no one else can do. He has made you and I right. We are the righteous, and it is fitting for us to know that we have been bought back. We have been redeemed. We have now been given a relationship with God Almighty. He is, he is with us every step of the way. He's in the middle of it all with us. He's got a plan that he's working in our lives. There's so many things I could go on and on, but if we're just willing to stop and say, this is what he has done for me. Sing to the Lord, in fact, shout to the Lord, because it is fitting if he has made you right. And no one else could do that. The cross did that. We are to go back to the cross. And when you go back to the cross and realize what he's done, it is fitting to sing. And then the second verse, it says, Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. So get the instruments out. Oh, it's beautiful to sing a cappella now, now and then. Especially if you've got some beautiful harmony. There's nothing prettier than a cappella. The pure sound of just the voice. But yet, the Bible says right there, when you praise him, it is fitting for the upright to do that. It is, he loves our praise. So, bring out the instruments Bring them out and play them. And then it says, sing to the Lord a new song. And what does he mean there when he says, sing to the Lord a new song? Sometimes a new song is simply singing a song that you love with a whole new intensity, a whole new fresh awareness of his grace. Sometimes you can sing a song like Amazing Grace. I mean, we all have our favorites, right? And some of them are the newer songs, but, but some of them are just plain the old, old songs that, that many of us have grown up with. And I don't care how many times I sing Amazing Grace. There's something about that song that grabs me in a new way every time. And I think it is that fresh new awareness of what it really means 
amazing grace, how sweet that, that word sounds. Because it saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but because of God's grace, I now am found. I was blind, and now I spiritually really see. And then, you know, it was when we've been there 10,000 years, it, a song like that directs us to our future, reminds us what is ahead. And when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I think when we're in heaven, we're never going to get tired of singing and praising him. It's just going to be the thing we want to do because it's fitting to sing praise to the one who made us righteous. And then another one of my favorites is marvelous grace of our loving Lord. And then that one verse that says, marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe, you that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? And then, of course, when peace like a river attendeth my way, oh, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. He has made my soul well. No one else could do that. And it is fitting to sing praise to the one who has made our soul well. And then that line in that song where it says, my sin, oh, the bliss of that glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. I bear my sins no more. Praise the Lord. And then, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning to thee. Thou changest not. That compassion, it fails not. As thou hast always been, you always will be. Music is such a powerful tool to remind us and lift us up when, when the culture and the cares of the world want to bring us to a place where we think all looks hopeless. And I think the psalmist, that's why he says, sing to the Lord. It is fitting to do that. He loves our praise. He knows he's the only one that did for us what no one else could do. He knows that. And then it goes on to say, sing to him a new song, a fresh new awareness of his grace. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. This psalm kind of helps me to see the different tools that God has given us to keep us in a right relationship with him. You know, we know he's given us his spirit. On the day of our salvation, we were gifted, Paul says. We were gifted with his spirit. So we never have to even think about trying to be a good Christian in our own strength and power. We have God's spirit who will lead and guide and refresh and renew us and remind us of what we have learned. 
What a powerful tool. And I don't mean that lightly. I mean, he's the third person of the Trinity. He's the equal Godhead. And he lives within you and me, reminding us of who we are in Christ Jesus. The word is another great, great tool. So the Holy Spirit then helps us to open our Bibles and then take these words on a page and make them alive and real and applicable and and absolutely true. So it says, for the word of the Lord is right and true. And in today's age, isn't it such a comfort to know that there is one book we can pick up and we can absolutely know that every word is true and that it is right. He is faithful in all he does. So go back and sit and remind yourself that that he is worthy of our praise because he has made us right. He lifts us out of the miry clay when, when life wants to drag us in the mud. He will lift us up. His word we can count on to be right and true. And then it says, it reminds us, he is so faithful. He's so faithful in all he does The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. When was the last time you took a look at this whole world and took a minute to ponder and think, this earth is full of his unfailing love. He's everywhere. He's he's got it all in control. He's got a plan going. He's got days numbered for each and every one of us and this earth. When was the last time we really stopped to realize that we are safe and secure? His word keeps reminding us we couldn't be in better hands than in his. Because he loves righteousness. He loves justice. And the earth is full of his unfailing love. And then verse 6, But word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. You know, we never get, that never gets old either, does it? To be reminded that all he had to do was speak the words. And by his power, by his authority, authority by his majesty he just spoke things into place he spoke the heavens into place he spoke the starry hosts into place he even gathers the waters of the sea into jars he puts the deep into storehouses It took me a bit to think about that. And that just made me in awe more of when he created and he separated the heavens and the earth and the water from the land and and how it's just so perfectly formed and fits all together that the mountains and then the water doesn't over 
power, that part, and everything has got its place, and, and then the forest, and he has put it all perfectly together. He's got that all-wise knowledge of exactly how to do it. He puts the deep into storehouses, and then he it says in verse 8, let all the earth, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. When the psalmist wrote this psalm, you know that, that he knew that this is what God wants. And that's why coming off from Esther and the way we dealt with those chapters, it's so refreshing to know that what the Lord wants from us is our praise. He wants all the earth to fear him. And, you know, that, that's not, he doesn't want to scared to death of him. He wants us to be so awed by him. He wants us to, to appreciate his holiness. Yes, his majesty, his justice, his grace and mercy. He wants us to fear the fact that Christ came and became a man to fulfill going to the cross, to shed his blood, the only sacrifice that, that the Father would accept. Fear the Lord that all these details about our God are true. That he, that he leads us to a future that we can hang on to even now. That we can know what's ahead. Fear the Lord with all those facts and promises. And fear him because you just respect and reverence an almighty God. There is none other. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. This is what God's plan was and how it must break his heart when so many refuse. So many refuse to see him for who he is and all his greatness and think that they're great and that's all they need is their own greatness. And so the psalmist is saying the Lord intended for all of us to know him, to revere him, to fear him. Aren't you glad you're one of them? After all what he's gone through for our redemption, aren't you glad you can read this psalm knowing that, yes, I am singing, even though I might not have had a really good day, but I am reminded again of who Jesus is. Let me sing. Let the joy inside of me because of Jesus explode into song. Aren't you just so grateful today? that you're one of the few. As Jesus said, there's going to be few that really find him. And if you're listening to this podcast today, I know you are one of the few because you are committed that no matter when and no matter what, your Bibles are open and you want to hear the Spirit bring these words off the page into your souls so you can know him better. And sing. 
Verse 9, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. No, his word stands firm in the heavens. What he says happens. So when he spoke, no question, no doubt, it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Verse 10, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. Yeah, he he does that. He foils the plans of the nations. He prevents he prevents them from accomplishing what they think they can do. After coming through Daniel, we can honestly attest to that. You know, even though sometimes we would look and read and study that chapter and would say, oh my goodness, it looks like evil has won. And even today, we can fall into that trap of thinking, oh, evil is winning. And then we're reminded, no, no, oh no, he foils the plans of the nations. When it's time, he will show who is in charge. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. We can, we can be so thankful he knows what's best. I know in, my, in the last few months, and, and one in particularly when my mom was going through such a struggle in her life, the last couple weeks of her life, and especially the last week of her life, and I remember I prayed to the Lord a certain request I remember praying, saying, oh, Lord, you know, this love that I have for my mom, and she's suffering so much, and, and I made this certain request. But I remember saying, but, Lord, if it's not your will, override mine. And that came to my mind, and by the way, he did. It was not his will. What I requested was not the Lord's will. And now looking back, he was so right, like he always is. But for me, this is what's changed when I pray, when I say, oh, Lord, this is what I really think would be a good way to handle this situation. And so I'm just going to tell you, because you know my heart anyway, but I have learned to say, but if it is not of you, then override me. Please override me. And, and I know when I say that, the Lord says, Oh, there's no question. I will. It just kind of makes sure that I know my place, that I stay humble before him, and that he is God and I'm not. Verse 11, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. That, to me, is so comforting and securing, too, that when we talk about God's plan, which Paul says is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect, that we can have all the confidence in the world that his plan stands firm forever. He is not, our God is not a flipping God that, you know, that, that oh, oh, I changed my mind. I don't really want that. And he just, he's not jerking us around. His word stands firm and we can know that his plans stand firm to the purposes of his heart through all generations. The Lord doesn't change and neither does his word. And boy, have we been able to say as we look back as in our past and we can say, oh, has, the, has our world changed in the last 50 years, in the last 30 years? 
in the last 10. I mean, it's changing so quickly. And it's so easy then to change with it. And when it comes to our spiritual walk, this psalm should reinforce to us that God doesn't change. His principles don't change. His word doesn't change. His promises do not change. And he does that on purpose. So that's why we can freely pass this down to the next generation with confidence. We don't have to think, oh, well, you know, it might change by the time you're older. No, when we teach them God's word, he says, you pass that down from generation to generation because it will not change. Verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Oh, that's quite a line, isn't it? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I know we've quoted that. I know we've all heard that verse so much. So what does that mean opposite? <laughs> what happens when we don't, when our nation does not acknowledge God as Lord? then we shouldn't be surprised when the actions, when the culture gets darker and bleaker. It's just like sometimes, don't you feel, you can almost sense like the Lord has lifted his hand right off us. Our nation, because it said he will bless the nation whose God is the Lord, but when this nation is pushing him away and pushing him out of everything, what do we expect? So right there, the psalmist says, you want to get your nation right? If you want the blessings of God, it's so simple. It's right there. Don't you just want to take this first to the powers that be and say, you want to solve all this country's problems? Well, there you go. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the one who's in all, over all, and through all. You let him be God. You let him make the decisions, and you follow in obedience, and you watch him bless a nation. The people he chose for inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people, he will bless the people he chose for his inheritance. He promises to bless those who love him and obey him and put him first. There's another song that comes to my mind, and it's, it will be worth it all. He, even though sometimes it's difficult to follow his commands, especially in a world like we're living in. But I am always reminded that he will make it so worth our while. That's what blessed means. I don't think it means of material things or things in this world. He, when God blesses, he blesses far beyond what an earthly blessing could be. And so when he promises to bless us, I don't think we should want to miss that. We should never want to miss his blessings in our life. And, and he promises that. Blessed are those who, who mourn. Remember, and look at all those in the Beatitudes. I'll bless you if you 
do this, if you comply to this, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. I will bless those. And it is not easy to be persecuted. Persecution, that's tough. And yet the promise is there. He will make it worth our while. And that should be something we really want. And then verse 13, from heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. Oh, what a reminder that is. Just picture this, that from the heaven, the Lord looks down and he sees all mankind. And he is very much aware of who, all who lives on this earth. He's very much aware of all the goings on. He never forgets. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth and he who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. I just want to read that in its entirety without saying anything. I want you to grasp this. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. Oh, I hope that raises hair on your arm to know how he knows you and everything about you and actually everybody on this earth. Verse 16, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save Another wonderful reminder is how our Lord is so in charge of us. There's no, no king is saved by the size of his army. Oh, from what we've seen in Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar and Darius and Belshazzar. I mean, they all thought that they were the savior of the world as they ruled their empire. They thought they were infallible. And boy, God showed them. So no king is powerful, as important as they are. There is no king that is saved by the size of his army. God is still in charge. There's no warrior that escapes by his great strength. No, it's all in God's plan. A horse is vain hope for deliverance. If you're thinking that you can have a strong animal or something, I will, I will be delivered if I have this strong horse. It's got great strength, that strong horse. Great strength, and yet it cannot save. It cannot save you unless the Lord has put his stamp on there. God is in charge Verse 18, but the eyes of the Lord are on all those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. How rich that is. As we 
remember who he is and know, know that he is in total control in everything that we think we need in this world to get us through, we forget that he is so one step ahead and he's making a way and his eyes are on you and me. His eyes are on those who fear him. His eyes are on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. They're sold out to him. Their life is committed to him. They live their life for him. And I repeat all the time that once you've been to the cross, your life is not your own because you've been bought with a price. But that should be a good thing. You now belong to the King, the God Almighty. And his eyes are on you, and he never takes them off you. And his unfailing love will never fail you. Hmm. So verse 19, it says that, to deliver them from death. See, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. What does that mean? What is unfailing love? It delivers us from death, physical death? No, because I know a lot of wonderful people whose physical body has died. But his unfailing love through the blood of Christ on the cross has given us the hope of salvation. And that is we are delivered from eternal death. Our soul, which now belongs to him, will never, ever die. You know, it's been said that a Christian is born twice. And only dies once. We've been born physically. We've been born again like Nicodemus in John 3. We've been born again. But we only have to die once. This body dies. But our soul won't. And for the unbeliever, they're only born once. But die twice. That should be shivering because the truth right here is that his unfailing love to all who will humbly come, he will make sure that we do not die twice. He will deliver us from eternal death and keep, he will keep us alive in famine. He will keep you and I regenerated and renewed and encouraged and moving forward in strength and courage. And he will keep us in that forward movement even when all is failing around us. His unfailing love, what we have learned in the last weeks is that his unfailing love, his unfailing grace and mercy is ours and we didn't deserve it. Oh, no wonder the psalmist says, sing. It is fitting. I don't care what kind of day you've had. We, verse 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. There is so far more to life than this. We are awaiting the hope. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. 
So yes, we are waiting for what is ahead, but in the meantime, we wait knowing that he's right here. He is our help. We just have to call out to him. We just have to acknowledge his name. We just have to come needy before him. He is our help, and he is our shield. He is our protection. There isn't anyone or anything that could snatch us from our Father's hand. What a great shield we have. And then in closing, in him our hearts rejoice. See, we really don't need things in this world to make us joyful. We don't really need things in this world to get us in a, a good mood to sing and let our joy explode. I mean, there are so many things that want to bring us down. And if we are careful, it will, because it's the easiest way for human nature, nature to go, is down. And look at everything through, through dark glasses and think it all looks hopeless. And the psalmist is just saying it doesn't have to be like that. You have a choice. In him, our hearts, not always our bodies, because maybe they're hurting. Maybe they're in pain. Not even our mind. He says, but in our hearts, we rejoice. In our heart, that's where the Holy Spirit lives. In our hearts is where God's word goes. So we, we rejoice in our hearts, for we trust his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord. What a great way to end. What a great way to pray, to end our day, to begin our day. May your unfailing love rest upon me today. And then to know you can go into your night of sleep. May your unfailing love rest on me tonight. Because it's true. Remember his word according to this very psalm says it's right and it's true. And the last verse of this psalm says that. We can pray that. May your unfailing love rest on me. Oh, Lord, even, even as we put our hope in you, get our eyes off ourselves, get our eyes off all of our problems. Yes, we still have to deal with them, but what a difference when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who has promised us to always be there and to walk us through and then to lead us into the hope of eternal life with him. Oh, that eternal life starts now because what a way to live, to wake up every morning and to be able to sing, sing, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine today. Perfect submission, all is at rest because I and my Savior were tight. No wonder Fanny said, this is my story. This is my song. I'm praising my Savior. We hope, and our hope, according to Paul, Romans 5, our hope will never. When your hope is in your Savior, 
your hope will never disappoint you. Never. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. I hope you are praising him today. Heavenly Father, you are worthy of our praise. Thank you. Is, I know you love to hear our thank yous, but we know that you want to see our thank you from our life. You want us to live for you. You want us to realize what you've done. You want us to live in this world with that kind of testimony so that others can see and want to come along. Thank you for loving us despite who we are. So thank you for songs and your word and truth. What a powerful way to live. It's great. In Jesus' name, amen.